This is Coochie's Corner Podcast, hosted by Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, and on TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner. And now on the Anchor Podcasting Network at anchor.fm and the Anchor app. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Bobby here at Crew Chief's Corner Podcast on a Monday. And what a race we had Sunday. Kevin Harvick picks up his 51st career NASCAR Cup Series win. And it comes at a mile and a half track that he only had two other wins at. It's hard to believe as dominant as Kevin Harvick's been over the last four to five years at Atlanta Motor Speedway, this is only his third career win. His first career win was his most famous, obviously. His first win, which came three races after Harvick took over the, the the now renumbered 29 car that he drove in place of the late Dale Earnhardt and Harvick collecting his first career win at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Harvick uh, paid tribute to Earnhardt on Sunday um, with a Polish victory lap, which honored Alan Kowicki, but it also uh, honored Dale Earnhardt with the three fingers out the window, saluting Dale and uh, the fans that were watching on TV as well, which I thought was kind of cool for Harvick to do. So on this episode, we'll talk about that. We will talk about um, the Saturday doubleheader. So we had the trucks and Xfinity. Um, I also realized all my guys that I picked to win races this weekend did not win. So uh, the Georgia boys did not sweep up this weekend, but We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Kyle Busch's anger at the tower, whether or not that was actually something that, you know, was warranted or not. But, you know, it's Kyle Busch. So when, when I get into it, I'll talk a little bit about how, how I feel about that. And then um, we will talk a little bit about uh, any of the news and notes that popped up over the, the last couple of days. I know uh, there was a paint scheme that just got revealed. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, and then we'll dive into Martinsville. We have a midweek race this week. So a great week uh, for me to be on vacation because uh, normally I'm not on this early on a Monday doing a show, um, but it's great to be able to do it and to break down the race at Atlanta, look at uh, Martinsville up ahead. And then we will also take a dive into all the latest news and notes from around the sport. So buckle up. We are ready for a loaded episode here of the Coochie's Corner podcast, which will get started right after this quick break. All right, everybody, it's Bobby Bailey back here on the Crew Chiefs Corner podcast. And uh, this first segment, I kind of want to talk about the race on Sunday. So we're going to talk about yesterday's cup race. It was the Folds of Honor Quick Trip 500, the 61st annual uh, running at Atlanta. And like I said, we saw Kevin Harvick pick up his 51st career win. And you know, you talk about Kevin Harvick, and and, and we kind of talked about this uh, when he won at Darlington a little bit. Um, you know, Harvick is is good at certain tracks, and the term Harvicking uh, or Harvicking, as they made it um, kind of in vogue again, I guess, on Sunday or popular again on Sunday with uh, Harvick's win at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Um, you know, you, you look at Kevin, there are certain tracks that Kevin Harvick's really good at. And when I, when we saw him win at Darlington, I said, it's not really a big surprise because Kevin does really well 
at these places that the tire fall off is spectacular. Harvick is very good at, at Atlanta. He's been good at Atlanta for years. It's ironic that this was only his third career win in the cup series at this track, but he's got some more, I think Xfinity wins and stuff like that there. Um, but Harvick is just uh, the mastermind, so to speak of, you know, being good on these worn out racetracks. Um, and one of the reasons why I said Harvick was someone to watch on Sunday when I, when, when we did Thursday's podcast, you know, I said, watch out for Kevin Harvick. He's going to be good. This is one of his tracks, you know, Phoenix, the old Phoenix, not the new Phoenix, the old Phoenix, Kevin Harvick was very good at. So Harvick has been good at, at certain tracks over the years. And there are definitely places where he has struggled. Uh, but Darlington wasn't one of those, you know, Atlanta's not one of those. Um, but you could see where Harvick, um, you know, coming into this pandemic break that we just went through, um, you know, Harvick really didn't have the greatest start to the season. Uh, but then he wins at, at, at Darlington. Okay. And then he comes back and wins at Atlanta. Those are two big statement wins. If you ask me, you know, Harvick won at a track that's worn out. In, in Darlington, hot, slick kind of kind of track, um, you know, is literally, you know, if you saw Larry Mack doing the 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 taking the grind, you know, the the cheese grater and just, you know, shuffling that across the tire, that's literally what Atlanta's like uh, to race on. And um, you know, Harvick's just just the master at that track, and he he is the master of riding right on that painted white line. And they showed you during the the Fox broadcast. The uh, the the width of that painted line is like 12, 13 inches. And Harvick literally just puts his one tire right on that line. And there's a little extra grip by that paint being on that surface that makes that line better for Harvick than than other guys. Because other drivers just can't keep their cars on the bottom of the racetrack. And we saw it time and time again. You know, you saw it with Clint Boyer, okay? Boyer was burning up tires left and right during this race because of probably some setup things that they did with the car, but also because he couldn't hold the bottom like Harvick could. Harvick held the bottom of that racetrack better than most of the guys that he was competing up against. And that's the thing that a lot of people don't put stock into is when you look at Kevin Harvick at some of these places and at some of these tracks, Harvick does things that other guys, frankly, can't do. And that is keep the car at the bottom of the racetrack and just run his line. And Harvick did search around on Sunday. It's not like Kevin just did one thing. He ran multiple different groups throughout that race, trying to find all the grip that he could and make that car handle the best that it could for Kevin Harvick. But overall, it was a very, uh, you know, it was an interesting race. It, It wasn't the most exciting um, because Kevin Harvick did lead 151 laps. He did dominate. And the other car that was really the car to beat was um, was Truex. You know, Martin Truex had some some flashes up there where it seemed like Truex was going to be the guy to beat. You know, and then, you know, Martin's car wasn't the long run car. Harvick's car was definitely lo- the long run dominant car. Truex seemed like he could get going early in a run. And he could he could really, you know, command... Um, you know, a restart and he could, he could just go. And then his car kind of would fade away in the, in the, in the middle of the race. And towards the end of those stages, you know, uh, Harvick was always coming right up and getting them. You know, I know Truex won the two stages, but 
But really, the second one, Truex shouldn't have won unless it was for that late race caught. I mean, that late stage caution there with like what eight nine laps to go. You know, Truex wouldn't have won that second stage. That would have been somebody else. I think it would have been Boyer. Actually, I mean, no, it wouldn't have been Boyer because Boyer's tires would have blown out. But I mean, think about how lucky Clint Boyer was. You know, Clint Boyer was unlucky, but he was lucky at the same time. And what I mean by that is Clint Boyer should have probably been in the wall a couple of times, but he caught the tire blowing or shredding at the perfect time. He felt it coming undone. He heard it in the fender well coming unwound, and um, they were able to catch it early enough that he never really blew a tire um, the way you would think that you would blow a tire, okay? And he never really hit the wall, but he had to pit earlier than his competitors, which put him off sequence, which in the grand scheme of things cost him at the end of the race because he had to pit with 14 laps ago when nobody else was going to come back down pit road towards the end of that race. So that's kind of one of the things that hurt uh, Boyer, but it was one of those deals that, you know, uh, it was a setup thing. And and I don't think it was a setup thing like, ooh, we're, we're too low in that corner of the car. It was, it was a big setup thing that they had to do. It was probably the way you know, the bump stops or something like that was set in that particular corner, you know, in that left rear corner of the car, um, the way that the, the bump stops were set up or the way the car was jostling, um, you, you know, uh, on that, on that setup. And it was just the way it was going. Um, so when you look at that, I mean, that's something you can't fix, you know, the bump stops and how the car is fixed per se, on the, you know, with the gyrations of the car going up and down. And that's a lot of the stuff that they figure out at the race shop. That's a lot of stuff they do with the seven post shaker rigs, um, you know, the, the, the tie down rigs. There's all kinds of different things that these teams use and, you know, rolling roads, things like that, that, um, you know, basically they, they go and they, the engineers go in and type in all this information on their computer and um, they, they simulate the surface of Atlanta Motor Speedway. And these guys, you know, the, the engineers at the shop are literally trying to figure out, like, what's the perfect ride height for that track? And what can they do with the bump stops, the shocks, the, the spring, you know, how how far the spring's going to travel, all that stuff. How much they can stiffen everything up and how low can they really go without impacting the car? Well, obviously, on Clint Boyer's side of things, they pushed it, the envelope, a little bit too far. And that's what was causing the tire to come unwound, um, you know, progressively throughout the race. And and it wasn't something that they were able to fix. It wasn't like they were able to go, oh, we got to fix this. We got to fix that. No, it was probably something where the car was physically riding on the tire and grinding that tire down because of the tolerances that they built into that race car. And it was something they couldn't fix. It was something they had to deal with the entire day. So very interesting to see how that all kind of worked out. But like I said, I think it was something physically with the car, not necessarily something that was created because of low, you know, low air pressure or too hot, you know, too much air pressure in the tires um, or something like that. I think it was something with the actual setup of the car and the way the car was riding and rubbing up against that tire, I think was was what really caused Boyer's issues on Sunday. But, um, you know, like I said, getting back to Truex, you know, Truex had a really good car, um, you know, in flashes that he had the car to beat. But he never really had the car to beat. 
if, if you know what I mean. You know, Kevin Harvick was always lurking, and Kevin Harvick seemed like he was going to be the dominant car of the day. It was just Harvick's car was the best at the end of the race, which is the frustrating thing because that final restart of the race, you know, Harvick and, and Kyle Busch are fighting like cats and dogs trying to trying to figure out who's going to be leading because they know clean air is king. And it's been this way. And and, and this is one of the things I kind of laugh at because, you know, somebody said in, in, a, in a comment on one of my posts in, in um, I think it was after Charlotte, I think. Somebody after 600 said it's a lot of follow the leader, um, you know, clean air is king. And, and I said, you know, this is this has been a thing that NASCAR's had for years and years and years. Um, whether you like this particular package or not, this has been something that it, it's not a unique thing to this package. This is something NASCAR has been fighting for for years and years, it seems like. And this is just something that, you know, it seems like clean air is king at some of these tracks. And, and it seems like that's the case. Um, that we saw in the 600, but yet the, the, the Wednesday race was so much better at Charlotte. Um, so then it made me think, and it's something we're going to discuss a little bit later on is, is NASCAR's 500 mile races, not as exciting as NASCAR's 312 mile races, because now NASCAR has given you two different models. They gave you the 600, which a lot of people out there said was boring. Okay. Then you saw the 312-mile race on Wednesday, which a lot of people thought was really exciting. And then you had Atlanta, which I think of what I've seen, a lot of people said it wasn't the most exciting race they've ever seen. So I think what NASCAR has got to figure out here, and this is one of the things I think we'll see maybe some some headway in, is NASCAR is going to look at this and say, you know, the 312-mile race is what we need. That's what we need. And we need to shorten up the cup races to around that distance, you know, 312, 350 might be our sweet spot, you know, to run a, a race. And that would give us the opportunity to run midweek races and, and do all that. I think the other thing NASCAR is going to look at, and then the, the thing that we're going to discuss up here in the next, the next segment um, is has NASCAR stumbled upon the way to run midweek races, which is, no practice, no qualifying, and just go out and race them and run them for 312 miles, which is 500 kilometers at, at certain tracks, um, you know, 312 miles, 310, 311, but run 500 kilometers and, and run midweek races and go to places that you wouldn't go to normally. I think NASCAR might have stumbled, stumbled upon something. And I think you even run 312 miles, you know, dare I say it, at some of these short tracks. 350 might be a little bit better. You might just round it to 350, call it a 350 lap race. But I, I do think NASCAR stumbled upon something. So we'll discuss that. We'll discuss the Xfinity race and the truck race. And then we'll get into the news and notes of the day. That's all coming up here next on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick break. All right, guys, we're back here on the podcast. This is Bobby Bailey on the Crew Chiefs Corner Podcast. So we just went over the Atlanta Cup race. So real quick, I want to go over the um, the Xfinity race because I'll be honest with you guys, I did not watch either the trucks or the Xfinity race uh, on Saturday. I was at work so the whole day, so I could not catch uh, any of the Xfinity or the truck race. But I do know that the Xfinity race, we saw A.J. Allmendinger get his first career win on an oval. 
Uh, really excited for AJ. That was a really great run for him and the colleague racing guys. Um, so big win for him. Noah Gragson finishes in second after his big win at Bristol in the Plan B sales Chevrolet. So a quick shout out to Brent Powell and the guys at Plan B sales. Really happy for for those guys. Um, we we've done you know a lot of work with them. Um, you know you might have noticed some of our our post shares on Facebook. Um, you know, get your race win diecast on planbsales.com. Don't forget to do that. Kevin Harvick's car is already up there, so you can pre-order it. And uh, a lot of these beautiful diecasts behind me uh, that you might see on a Facebook live stream or also if you're watching the live recording of this podcast episode on either YouTube or on Twitch. I have a lot of diecasts that are behind me. They mostly came from our good folks over at Plan B Sales. So quick shout out to Brent on the big win on what was that Monday evening at Bristol? So big shout out to Brent last week. Uh, had a had a nice win for those guys and gals over at Plan B Sales. But uh, good run for Noah. Third place, Justin Haley. I mean, I feel like this kid's going to win a race this year. I really do. Um, you know, for those of you that have been with us from the very very beginning, way back in the day, uh, back when we were doing uh, online radio stuff uh, on Victory Lane Radio, our good friends over there at at, at VLR. Uh, we had Justin on back when he was known as JJ Haley. Uh, we had Justin on back then. Uh, Justin was running KNN at the time. So uh, good to see Justin have a, another great run. Fantastic result for Daniel Hemrick in that eight car. I really want to see Daniel get a win too. He's another great guy. I've bumped into Daniel several times in the garage area. Always down to earth. Always very nice. Um, you know, his his wife, uh, Kenzie, she used to race too. So, so really happy that Daniel got a nice fourth place result there at Bristol. But, you know, I know that win's coming for those guys. Harrison Burton, another strong run for the rookie, uh, fifth place. Justin Algeyer, uh finishes in the seventh. I mean, I'm sorry, in sixth. So good run for, for Justin. Probably should have won that race. Uh, I saw a little bit more of the Xfinity race at Bristol than I did, but, um, you know, probably Justin uh, should have won the, the Bristol race. Not the Atlanta race. He only led one lap, so I can't say that. But Justin had a had a really good run at, at Atlanta. Um, probably should have won Bristol, though. You know, but don't don't ask Noah Gregson about that. Um, nice battle for for Ross Chastain, a seventh place finish after running up towards the front earlier in the day. Uh, kind of had to battle to get that seventh position, and then Brandon Jones finished eighth. A good run for them. Uh, Chase Briscoe kind of had a up and down day. He led some laps. Um, finished second in that second stage, but, uh, had some, some mixed miscues on pit road of I recall from this. Um, so he bounced back to a ninth place finish, but, uh, not the result he was looking for. And then obviously, um, 10th for Anthony Alfredo. Now I look at the rest of this top 15 and you go down to 16th, actually just outside. You find, uh, Austin Sindrick who had some problems late in the running there, won the first two stages, um, but unfortunately brought it home in 16th after having a, a dominant car early, but struggled. Um, but how about Bailey Curry, Bailey Curry, 18th in the Mike Harmon racing entry. Uh, very good for those guys. I think that's three, three in a row for Mike Harmon racing top twenties. Uh, hard to believe that those guys have not ever done that in their, in their, then that team's history, but great job for Bailey Curry. He does a lot with a little. And uh, very happy for those guys at uh, MHR to get a uh, another top 20. So good run for those guys. 
And then I look down and I just shake my head because I, I so wish that we would have had one of the RSS cars up there to talk about. But um, a great run by Myatt Snyder. He he was kind of knocking on the door most of the race with a, a good result there towards the end. Uh, just had a problem on that last pit stop, kind of screwed him up. And uh, he brought home the Louisiana hot sauce Chevrolet for RSS in 29th. But definitely not indicative of the result of the uh, of the result that those team that that guy uh, Myatt was going to do. Uh, definitely top 10 uh, effort on their part. Just just couldn't get it done there with the, the pit stop waiting the race. But uh, some great calls by the uh, the legend Jeff Green uh, trying to get them uh, the best result they could. But he did end up finishing a couple laps down. And like I said, finished 29th. Then you had Ryan Sieg, the guy that I picked to win the race, had some engine issues, which seemed to be their bugaboo uh, at Bristol, too. So uh, Ryan Sieg, a uh, couple bad races back-to-back, but I know the guys at RSS Racing are going to bounce back, and that that uh, 39 car is going to have some good runs upcoming here because they've been bringing the power most of these places. Just seems to have some engine issues the last couple weeks here that kind of hurt them. But... Um, I know those guys are, are hungry for that checkered flag, and I still feel confident that we'll see a RSS uh, 39 Chevrolet in victory lane this year with Ryan Sieg, hopefully picking up that first career win. So, And hopefully I'm there for it. That would that would be kind of like the best. That'd be the best if he wins at like Martinsville or something. You know, just throwing it out there. You know, so we'll, we'll, we'll kind of, you know, hope, hope, for, uh, hope for that. Um. And I know uh, Cody Vanderwall had some issues early in the Xfinity race at Atlanta. All right, so we're going to switch on over. We're going to get the truck results up here real quick. Um, but another, you know, crazy race. Um, uh, Kyle Busch um, looked like he was going to get this race win. Uh, looked like he was going to be the truck to beat. And it all got thrown away. He made some contact with... Jordan Anderson uh, hit the wall as a result and um, then got caught speeding on pit road. He was not very happy at the tower. And, um, you know, I, I just Kyle's a, a very I've said it before and I'll say it again. Disclaimer, I'm not a Kyle Bush fan. For those of you that think I am, I'm not. Um, you know, Kyle's very passionate and he was very upset at the tower. So that's why he said what he said. But um, I don't think it was the smartest thing Kyle's ever said because um you know, NASCAR listens to all these, these different channels. So they know what Kyle said and, um, you know, that could be perceived a certain way, but, uh, you know, I don't think he's going to get penalized or anything, but it is what it is, but very, very interesting choice of words by Kyle Busch. Um, and then, you know, Chase Elliott might've had the shot at it all, but, uh, that didn't happen. So Chase, um, was relegated to a 20th place finish where Kyle Busch finished 21st and then Johnny Sauter got disqualified. So big points implications there for Johnny. He's going to, he's going to have some, uh, some points taken away from him and probably some team members suspended, um, following their post race, uh, failure. Um, so Grant Infiger pick, picks up the win. Austin Hill, the Georgia boy finished in second. Christian Eck is in third, Todd Gillow in fourth, Zane Smith in fifth. Then it was Ross Chastain, six, Derek Krause. How about Derek Krause? Here's a young guy that, you know, was tearing up in the K&N West series, decided to go truck racing this year, 
running with Bill McAnally and uh, his business partners out there from the West Coast. And uh, they built this team. It's an East Coast team, believe it or not. And uh, Derek Krause finished seventh, his first uh, real test of a mile and a half track. Um, you know, I know they ran Charlotte, but uh, a good top 10 in a, on a mile and a half for Derek Krause. I believe that's his first top 10 on a mile and a half racetrack. So good run for those guys. Brett Moffitt brought it home in eighth. Ninth was Ben Rhodes. And then 10th was Stuart Friesen. You look at the rest of the top 15, then you had Tanner Gray in 11th, uh, Matt Crafton in 12th. Ryan Truex in the Plan B sales. Chevy finished 13th. Sheldon Creed, 14th. 15th was Tyler Ankrum. Then you had Jeb Burton, Brendan Poole, Raphael Lessard, Ty Majeski, and Chase Elliott rounding out the top 20. Kyle Busch finished 21st, as we already said. Timmy Hill, 22nd. 23rd was Corey Roper. 24th, John Hunter Nemechek. 25th, Spencer Davis. Clay Greenfield, 26th. Spencer Boy, 27th. Angelo Ruck in the 28th spot. Corbin Forrester, 29th, 30th, was Austin Ruane Self. And Tate Fogelman, who had a great run at Bristol. Um, I mean, not Bristol. He had a great run at Charlotte. Um, Bailey Curry, 32nd. Cody Rawbaugh in 33rd. 34th was Greg Galding. 35th was Jesse Little. 36th was Jennifer Joe Cobb. Jordan Anderson, 37th. TJ Bell, 38th. 39th was Ben Duzot. And then 40th, disqualified was Johnny Sauter. And those are your results for the Gander Outdoor Truck Series race at Atlanta. So moving on, moving on, moving on. We are going to talk about a couple different things. The first thing I want to talk about is um, the good folks over at uh, Keen Parts and CorvetteParts.net have just released our paint scheme. I'm going to share it out pretty quick. But uh, if you've seen Corey LaJoy's Old Spice car from last year, where there's a picture of Corey's face on it and they had Old Spice all over it, it's uh, essentially that same paint scheme, except Keen Parts and CorvetteParts.net will be on the car, and they put Corey's uh, Corey's face with a face mask on it. So it'll be the uh, social distancing 2020 car for Corey LeJoy instead of the face car. Um, so I thought that was pretty neat. Um, leave it leave it up to Keen Parts to always come up with something kind of cool. But that'll be on most of the social channels here in a little bit. And then this weekend, don't forget, we got Bristol. We got 40 cars entered for the race, the cup race at Bristol. I mean, I'm sorry, cup race at Martinsville. I wish it was Bristol. Uh, cup race at Martinsville on Wednesday, 40 cars. The entry list is up on The Crew Chief, all on our social media platforms. It's on uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you'll be able to catch that on there. And um, we have a lot going on this week. We are going to do... Another Facebook Live probably around Thursday. We have one coming up uh, tonight, Monday evening at around 8 o'clock. It's on Facebook.com slash The Crew Chief. So you can catch us on there. Uh, we'll be going live, and then we'll also be on our Twitch channel. It's twitch.tv slash Giants, like the football team, 02122. And that'll be at 7.30. I'll talk about some diecast that I have behind me on my set here that we use to record the podcast and all, all of our Facebook stuff. Um, so you guys will see that at 7.30. And then, uh, like I said, we'll catch you all on our next uh, podcast, which will be on Thursday. And, um, you know, I guess the only other thing really to talk about in this last little bit that we have is um, to talk about, you know, the beginning of that race. Uh, you know, NASCAR did a 
pretty powerful uh, statement. Um, I thought Fox did a really nice job with the uh, pre-race of what I saw of it. I didn't catch uh, all of it because I was uh, kind of in and out of doing a couple of different errands and things like that. But, um, you know, for them to stop the cars right before taking the one to go and park the entire field on the front stretch and Steve Phelps addressing the the field, um, I thought it was a pretty powerful uh, statement. I think it speaks to, um, you know, NASCAR acknowledging that they need to do better uh, on the di- diversity front. Um, it's something I think the sport has has really not been the best at, um, you know, putting it mildly. I think, you know, we have a lot of things we can do better as a sport. Um, but I do believe NASCAR has is, is done a lot of great things. You know, the Drives to Diversity uh, program has produced um, some, some, you know, some great drivers uh, that have come through the program. I mean, you know, you have uh, Kyle Larson who's probably one of the more s- successful ones, uh, even though Larson's no longer in the sport. And uh, I think that's what kind of drove – you know, that whole situation with Kyle kind of made it a little bit harder was because he went through the drive to diversity uh, program to get into NASCAR. Um, but you look at some of the other people that come through there, obviously, you know, famously Bubba Wallace has come through that. Um, and there's been some other drivers that went through there that were, that were uh, African-American, you know, drivers. Uh, you know, you remember, uh, you might remember Chris Bristol was a guy that was with Gibbs, you know, kind of flamed out. Uh, but he, he had an opportunity. There was, there were several guys, um, that have come through and, and, and women that have come through, um, you know, really good women race car drivers that have come through. So, uh, very interesting to see, you know, where, where that drive to diversity goes, um, you know, how much more they, they try to promote that. Um, and, and they're doing the same thing with crew guys, you know, they're promoting the diversity in the crew members. I mean, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of guys and gals that work in this sport now that, you know, probably 30 years ago wouldn't have been in it, to be honest with you. Um, and, and, you know, the only other thing I would say is, you know, I saw a lot on social media, people, you know, saying things um, and, and, you know, of, oh, I'm not going to watch NASCAR anymore because it's it's not what it used to be. I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they, you know, they, they, they took this stand and, you know. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. You know, to me, I understand NASCAR, um, you know, is a sport and we watch sports to get away from our everyday lives. And, and I said this in, in the in the last podcast that there are certain moments in, in life that transcend sports and it transcends what what you go through. You know, I mean, they're not I'm not trying to compare them, but. You know, you look at where we were as a as a nation after nine eleven. Okay, um, there was a lot of pride in America, and, and people were, you know, we we paused, um, and we did special pre race ceremonies. We did, you know, Dale Junior ho- hoisted the the American flag after the race and and took a victory lap with it and did his burnouts with it. Um, there have been moments where NASCAR has done things like this, where there's moments that have transcended the sports. And transcended the racing, you know, I mean, I remember after, uh, you know, we caught Osama bin Laden, you know, NASCAR, you know, they didn't do something per se, but what did Dale Jr. do? He had a blank race car that he took. Josh Wise was driving and he put the American flag on it and, and stuff. And they made shirts and they did all this stuff. And I remember it was one of the most popular 
paint schemes of that season. And it was, uh, you know, they did an autograph run of me. I have that die cast for, for that was celebrating our troops catching Osama bin Laden, you know? So there are moments and, and, and not those moments don't meet, you know, to me, I'm not trying to compare them to what we're going through right now with the protest and, and everything that's going on with, with the situations we've been going through. But, you know, at the same time, there is a precedent. NASCAR has taken their stance and has said certain things throughout time. And because they decided to do this doesn't mean NASCAR doesn't look at and value everybody. But right now there's a group of our, our you know, and I said in our statement, there's a group of our brothers and sisters that do feel like they're being discriminated against, that do feel like they're being treated unfairly, that do feel like they're they're being socially uh, oppressed and, and things like that. And that's where I think NASCAR is trying to say, listen, this is wrong. You know, I don't think there's anybody that has any big entity, whether it's a corporation, whether it's a sport, whether it's a, a person that has publicly come out that's a big sports figure or a big athlete or, you know, a big celebrity has come out and, and supported the other side in this. Everybody's rallying behind this. This isn't just NASCAR taking a stance, a public stance and saying, we're going to be the ones that that get behind this. No, everybody has gotten behind this. And some leagues haven't done what NASCAR's done. You know, you look at the NFL, the NFL looks like hypocrites in this because of the whole thing with Colin Kaepernick and how they blackballed him. But now you look at the other side and look at NASCAR, a sport that hasn't really had the best past, but has made steps to get themselves better. And that's the thing that makes it troubling when you read the comments that you see on social media. And what, what I mean by this is if you look at some of the stuff that was posted, whether it's NASCAR, NASCAR on Fox, whether it's whoever, or just go on Twitter for all, all I care, you'll see some of the comments that, that are out there. And it just – I get everybody has their First Amendment rights. They can say whatever they want. Um, this is a, a, a you know free speech is is predominant in this country and that's something that's our one of our rights but at the same time i mean you look at it and you, you see some of the comments and then you wonder why our brothers and sisters feel the way they do it's it's no it's no surprise because you see stuff like that and and even for myself i'm embarrassed that people say these things to other people because that's not how any of us were raised or maybe that is how some of us were raised we got to be better. We got to, we got to strive to be better people and, and to, and to, um, just, just frankly, just, just love and support everybody. You know, this isn't a, uh, me versus them kind of world. Uh, you know, we, we got to look at it as we're all in this, this, this earth together. We're all on this planet together. And the more we get along and the more we understand each other and listen to each other and understand our, our differences, the better off we're going to be. And believe me, I don't, like talking about this stuff on this kind of a platform, but I do it because I feel like, you know, people have listened to this, you know, we're, we're almost at 300 listens here on the podcast and, you know, we have 6,000 plus people that follow us on Facebook and, you know, I had far more positive comments on, on our stance or, or while well, not our stance, not only our stance, but our statement that we put out. Um, and that's why I'm going to talk about it, but I'm not going to use it and talk about it every single week. You know, I just felt like, you know, with this, you know, with the pre-race that NASCAR did, 
it was something to talk about today. It was something to discuss, but I didn't want to put it right in the front of the podcast because we did that last week. But I felt like towards the end here, I wanted to, to discuss it. Um, you know, and like I said, I, I just think we as a nation got to come together and we got to, we got to do a better job. You know, we got to, like I said, we got to support everybody. We got to, we got to help out, you know, where we can and when we can and, and do a better job. And, um, you know, like I said, just, just, it's all about being respectful, being, you know, positive, uh, change, you know, has got to come, you know, we got to see positive change at the end of the day. That's what it's all about. Uh, but you know, um, it was just, just watching, you know, watching the comments, you know, uh, I had to block some people, which I don't like blocking people on social because, um, you know, it's just, it's not fun. You know, it's just not fun. And, and, but when you make certain comments and you say certain things, um, and then you say it about accredited media members and then wonder why all these other people are blocking you. If you're going to say something to Jeff Gluck and say something as insensitive as this particular one person did, it's no joke why I know like a whole bunch of other, excuse me, accredited media members did the same thing. You know, it's the same, it's the same deal. So I just really wonder, you know, where some people's heads are with these things, you know, and it's just, um, it's crazy. But, you know, like I said, we all just gotta, just gotta get through all this. You know, we gotta listen. We gotta do far more listening than we gotta do talking. And, um, and that's what we're gonna do. We're gonna listen quite a bit and we're gonna see what we can do better. But I think as a sport, you know, that, that was an important first step. And, um, you know, I'm proud of, I'm proud to be an NASCAR fan. I'm proud to be a, a person that has followed this sport for, for over 20 years. And, uh, you know, we'll, uh, we'll carry on with it, but you know, it's, it's crazy to think about some of the stuff I read, just, just absolutely crazy, you know? Um, so we gotta do better. We gotta do better. You know, if you don't want to watch, that's your prerogative, but you don't want to listen, you know, that's your prerogative, but, um, you know, they had to do it. They had to, you know, you don't want to be the, the only ones on the other side. That's all I'm going to say about that. The other thing that happened uh, yesterday that kind of made me shrug my head a little bit was uh, when Bubba Wallace passed out. I know there was a lot of people that were uh, kind of like, yeah, this is the other thing that was on social yesterday. It kind of just irked me the wrong way. And, and and a lot of times, you know, after races, I have to get off of social media because, you know, the, the jabs back and forth between the fans, uh, this one's, you know, a jerk, that one's a jerk, you know, you got to get off of there sometimes and, and decompress and just, just watch, you know, something else. Um, you know, but, but Bubba passed out and, and, and listen, it doesn't mean Bubba's any less of a race car driver. It doesn't mean Bubba's any less of an athlete than anybody else. It doesn't mean anything, you know, everybody's bodies react differently to heat and humidity. For those of you guys and gals out there that were, uh, Casey Kane fans. Okay. Casey Kane had dehydration problems late in his career, which is one of the reasons why Casey retired from racing. Bubba Wallace has now been passing out after races, after hot races. Now he did it at the Roval last year when Alex Bowman infamously, infamously came over and squirted a bottle of water in his face, which was not the best idea that Bowman's ever had in his life. And now Bubba passed out not once, but twice basically after Atlanta. You know, everybody's body reacts differently. It doesn't make him less of a person. It doesn't make him less of a driver. 
And then the craziness between people going after Denny Hamlin for his comments they made to Corey LaJoy was a whole nother thing. I mean, social media yesterday was a very interesting place. And um, it was just crazy. But, you know, these guys are athletes. These guys are the best of the best. And they're far better race car drivers than I ever could have been. So, uh, you know, they they um, they do a great job. You know, they put on a pretty good show. So at the end of the day, that's what we're all here to watch is NASCAR, right? Uh, we're here to watch a race. So um, going forward, you know, that's what we'll be talking about racing. But um, I definitely appreciate all the comments on the, the last couple of podcast episodes I've done um, that we talked about some of the other stuff that's been going on. Like I said, that's transcended sports. So we'll see you guys on Thursday. We'll have a podcast come up at some point on Thursday. We'll go over Wednesday's race at Martinsville. Be sure to follow us on all of our social. You'll hear that here in a few seconds on the outro of the podcast episode. And we'll catch you guys next time here on the Crew Cheese Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Be safe, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Crew Cheese Corner Podcast. I'm Bobby Bailey. Check us out on social media, Facebook at The Crew Chief, on Twitter at The Crew Chief, Instagram at Crew Chief's Corner, TikTok at Crew Chief's Corner, and on the Anchor app and anchor.fm. Thanks for listening.